Let's pray. Father, we thank you very much for our time together this morning. We thank you for your love and your grace. We thank you that you have done a remarkable, amazing work in our lives. You have given us life. And not only have you given us life, but then you grow us and you continue to mold us and to make us, draw us to yourself, conform us to the image of Jesus Christ. We thank you that you never leave us nor forsake us. You never get tired of us. You never get frustrated to the point where you just abandon us and leave us alone. But we belong to you, and you have made that clear that that will never change. Thank you for that. Thank you that as we go through the issues of life, we belong to you and that you are a part of us. And I just pray that that would be a thought that motivates us and spurs us on and keeps us where we need to be. Father, as we begin our morning together, we thank you very much for the Sunday school classes, for the teachers. We just pray your blessing upon them. May they proclaim truth and may we all understand the importance of living the way we ought to live in, in, in the place where you've put us, that we would shine for you and that we would glorify you. So go before us this morning. And we thank you for this hour, the hour to follow, and the activities throughout the day. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, we uh, are beginning to look at Daniel today as we continue along in the Gospel Project. And, and uh, we're going we're gonna to look at, at a little bit of Daniel for the next couple of weeks. And so we'll get a little glimpse of him and, and what goes on. It says this, or quarterly says this, the contents of the book of Daniel span a time period from 605 to 536 B.C. So we have this about 70 years um, of Daniel's life um, in the book of Daniel and different rulers, and, and we'll see a lot of that as we look at Daniel. And so we see the life of Daniel, and we see the life of all these kings through different narratives. We see how God is encouraging his people over and over again. And one of the things that's important, and we have this pointed out to us regularly, one of the things that's important as we look at especially the book of Daniel, is Daniel is not about Daniel. Daniel is about God, sovereignty of God, the work of God, how God does what he does throughout the world and using rulers and in the nations, and we see God doing some amazing things. He uses Daniel but it's really about him and his work and his character. And so that's an important thing as we look at this, and, and you'll be reminded of that constantly. So as we begin chapter 1 of Daniel, we see that um, the summary of this particular lesson is we're inspired by the courage and the faithfulness of Daniel and his friends because they remain true to their identity. And that's going to be an important word this morning, as God's chosen people. They were willing to demonstrate their trust in God through their actions, and they proved to be a testimony to God and for God that the rest of the people saw and were able to bring glory of God because of it. As believers, then, we too are sojourners. We are travelers. We are strangers. And we need to live our lives much like Daniel lived his. The title of our lesson is simply this, How to Stay Faithful in Exile. And we're in an Old Testament book for that. But, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1.
1 Peter chapter 1. So how to stay faithful in exile is not simply an Old Testament idea, concept, or truth. It's a biblical truth that we need to embrace and understand the significance of. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens, scattered throughout Pontus and Galatia and Cappadocia and Asia and Bithynia, who are chosen. So Peter, in writing his letter, he wrote to Christians that were scattered, and he used this name, and he said, those who are hanging around in this world, and they're called aliens. Chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you were once not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the thing which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. Chapter 4. Beginning in verse 12. Beloved, do not be surprised at this fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing, so that also at the revelation of his glory you may rejoice with exultation. For you are reviled for the name of Christ. You are blessed because of the spirit of glory, and God rests on you. Make sure that none of you suffers as a murderer or thief or evildoer or troublesome meddler. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, he is not to be ashamed. Thank you. He is not to be ashamed, but is to glorify God in his, this name. For it is time for judgment to begin with the household of God, and it begins with us first. What will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? He says, don't be surprised because you are aliens. You're strangers. The things that happen on this earth, the things that you're facing, you're going to face because of who you are. Chapter 5, verse 8. But be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour, but resist him. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will strengthen him, will strengthen in glory in Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. We are aliens and strangers. There is nothing different with us as there was with Daniel when it boils right down to it. Turn with me to Hebrews, please. Chapter 11. Look at what it says, beginning in verse 13. Hebrews 11 is that chapter that talks about all of those great saints from the Old Testament. In chapter 11, verse 13, all of these died in faith, 
without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own. And indeed, if they had been thinking of that country from which they went out, they would have had an opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Now, Daniel was taken away from his home. Okay, and we, we've seen that and, and we understand that in the Old Testament that there were times when the conquering nation would come in and they would take a, the, the people of that region, that group, that nation, and they would scatter them throughout their kingdom for assimilation. And they would make them part of that new kingdom. And so you may have been a Jewish person and we take over you, but we're going to take you and we're going to make you a Babylonian. And that's what we're seeing with Daniel. We're going to turn you into this. We're going to put you in a position where you're going to learn our language and learn our cultures and be who we want you to be. All right? And, and so he didn't have an opportunity to return, obviously, back to his country because he was a captive. Well, the thing that makes things a little different with us is that we need to think differently. But Hebrews chapter 11 teaches us how we need to think when it comes to being aliens and strangers, okay? The Old Testament folks, it says in verse 13, they died in faith having, without having received the promises. But they had seen those promises. And they welcomed them from a distance. They, they heard what God had to say. They knew what God had to say. And they confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. And what they said was, this is not our home. We're heading somewhere, somewhere else. For those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own. What the writer of Hebrews is talking about here is a mindset. It's an approach to life. It's that biblical worldview we talk about. I want to think in terms of that's my home. That's where I belong. That's the place for me. Not this one. He goes on to say, and indeed, if they had been thinking of that country from which they went out, they would have had an opportunity to return. Had they thought about the fact that this is my home, I could go to where I was. Abraham, if he thought, you know what, really, I, I'm, I'm not, I, I don't really belong to God. I, I, I'm not going to this place. I belong back there. He could have gone back. But he thought differently. We need to think differently. In our lives, we need to think differently. But as it is, verse 16, they desire a better country. Is life pretty good right here where you live, by and large? Yes, it is. And yet the Bible says, but we need to desire a better country, a better place. Okay? We need to desire that. Now, here's the interesting thing about that. How do I know it's a better place? How do I know what it's like there? How am I going to be able to get to the point where I am pondering that? How does that happen? Faith. Where am I getting it from? The Word of God, Holy Spirit. I'm reading the Bible. I've learned about that better place. Okay? There's a better place there. I've read about it. I know what's going to happen. I know that the Lord is there. And, and I've, I've studied it. I'm excited about the fact that I'm desiring a better place. This is good. But I don't belong here. There's some angst that's going on. 
Therefore it says, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. God says, those are my people. They belong to me, and I've prepared a place for them, and they're anxiously looking forward to that place. We have said this before, and I need to say it again. There ought to be a little, angst is a good word for it, there ought to be a little angst about you living where you live. Because you're a believer. You're an alien here. Things ought to bother you. Things ought to frustrate you. Things ought to baffle you. You ought to think that just that's just wrong. Something's wrong there. That it just I, I read this and I get irritated with the way life is. Excellent. That's a good thing. You ought not to, to, to be putting down roots here. This isn't. This isn't what life is all about. This is a mere shadow, a form of what is to come. Look at Hebrews chapter 13. Verse 14. For here, here, this life right now, for here, we do not have a lasting city, but we are seeking the city which is to come. This is not forever. This is temporary. This is temporary. Okay? And we need to think that way, and we need to live that way, and we need to behave that way, understanding that this is temporary. There's a better place. We are aliens. We do not fit here. We ought to look different. We ought to think different. We ought to act different. We ought to have some caution about our lives. Because this is not our city. Our city is somewhere else. Turn with me to 1 Peter, and then we're going to go back to Daniel. Go back to chapter 2 of 1 Peter. And I want to read verse 11 to you again. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. It says, Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. What we need to understand about life, and we're going to see this in the book of Daniel this week and next week especially, we need to understand that as I live here, if I embrace the things of this life, of this culture, of this society, I am embracing those things that are waging war against my soul. Okay? I want to be culturally relevant well, that's going to create a problem for you as a believer because you're going to have this angst going on because you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you who says, I'm not about the culture. I'm about holiness. I'm about God. Okay? Are there tons of things we can do in this culture and be a part of without any angst, without any war being raged in our soul? Tons. But there are many that we cannot. Okay? And we need to understand that. And this is what's going on. And for a lot of believers, here's our struggle right here. Here it is. There's something. I'm just, there's this thing. I have this struggle. I have this, this, this lack of joy or, or this battle. And it's because we are doing our best to embrace some things. And all we're doing is creating this raging war within us. 
because the Holy Spirit says we don't belong here. We don't fit here. But I want to be like everyone else. And God says, you're not like everybody else. Okay, to a certain degree, and I know this isn't true across the board, but to a certain degree, the fact that you're in this place on this day says that you're not like everybody else. I recognize that I need to do something on a Sunday morning that's a little different than what other people are doing. Now, I understand that's not across the board because there's a lot of religious folks that are doing that too. But for you all, hopefully, it is making a statement. I'm doing different things because I'm different. I'm different. I, 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 I belong to God, and that matters in my life. All right, let's go back to Daniel now. Chapter 1, as we begin looking at at. At a, at a few things concerning Daniel. And we're going to read beginning in chapter 1. In the third year of the reign of Jerichim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave Jerichim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the vessels of the house of God, and he brought them into the land of Sinar, to the house of his God, and he brought the vessels into the treasury of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpedes, the king of his officials, to bring in some of the sons of Israel, including some of the royal family and of the nobles, youths, in whom there was no defect, who were good-looking, showing intelligence in every branch of wisdom, endowed with understanding and discerning knowledge, and who had ability for service in the king's court. And he ordered him to teach them the literature and the language of Chaldeans. Let's take the best and the brightest, and let's indoctrinate them. Let's get them away from where they were and who they were, and let's make them someone new and different. The king appointed them for a daily ration from the king's choice food and from the wine which he drank, and appointed that they should be educated three years, and at the end which they were to enter the king's personal service. Now among them from the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah. Then the commander of the officials assigned new names to them. Let's change who they are. Let's change how they think. And to Daniel, he assigned the name Belshazzar, and to Hananiah, Shadrach, and Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. And so they changed them, and they wanted them to be different in every way possible. And so they took them, and they... They took them away from everything they knew, and they were going to educate them different. They were going to teach them a different language. And they gave them new names, and they were going to assimilate them and bring them into this culture and make them be no longer Israelites, no longer Jewish folks, but they were going to make them all of a sudden become Babylonians. Okay, They were going to change them and do this great thing. The essential doctrine that we want to talk about this morning is our, the new identity of the believer. The new identity of the believer. Turn with me to John chapter 13. And I believe in John chapter 13, we read one of the most significant things uttered by the Lord Jesus Christ.
in John chapter 13, verse 1, and this, John chapter 13 is a section of scripture where Jesus is about to wash the, the feet of his disciples, right? You guys remember that story, and, and, and he was the one who took the, the towel, and he girded himself, and he went about washing their feet because nobody had done that, and that was the task that was reserved for the lowest of the group, or usually a slave as they came into some home. But Jesus was willing to do that. And so in verse 1 of this chapter, we read this. Now before the feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come and that he would depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. There's something key in that verse there. He knew where he came from. He knew who he belonged to. And he knew where he was going. Why is it that Jesus was willing to take on the role of a servant in this way at this time and he didn't have a pride issue stopping him from doing that? Because he knew where he came from, he knew who he belonged to, and he knew where he was going. He knew his identity. Okay? What enables us to serve? We know who we belong to. We know where we're going. What enables us to follow the commands of Scripture? In spite of, we know who we belong to. We know who we are. We know where we're going. What enables us, what empowers us to do what we're supposed to do? We know who lives inside of us. We know who we belong to. We know where we're going. We understand who we are. That will dictate what you do over and over and over and over again. Okay? The way that that is discussed, the way that's talked about throughout Scripture, and how we talk about it in Christian circles, is our new identity. Let me read to you what the quarterly has to say about this. Okay? And they put it well, so I'm just going to read what it says. When a person places faith in Christ... That person undergoes a fundamental change of identity. He or she goes from being an enemy under God's wrath. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Let's read a couple of verses about that. Ephesians chapter 2, a powerful, powerful, great section of Scripture. Verse 1, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. What's the identity of a person who is in Ephesians 2, 1 through 4? What's their identity? Dead. Very good. Another word? Absolutely. Good one. S what? Separated from Christ. Absolutely. Enemies of God. Any others? Okay, that's pretty good. That's, that's who they are. All right? Then it says, as we continue reading, but God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us 
with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. So we went from verses 1, 2, 3 to verses 4 through 10, okay? And, 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 I, and, and, and we did it all how? By God's grace, okay? So the identity that we understand is, is that we went from being an enemy under God's wrath to being welcomed into God's family and beloved children. It says that in verse 19. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens with God, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are the, God's household. Here's the interesting thing as you read the scriptures. <coughs> Excuse me. Is that it talks about the fact that you are no longer, that it says you are no longer aliens. It says in verse 19, you are no longer strangers and aliens in reference to God. But now you are strangers and aliens in reference to the world you live in. You've been <clears throat> transformed. You've been changed. You've been made new. It goes on and it says that we've been welcomed into God's family. The believer in Christ is declared righteous on the account of Christ's perfect life and substitutionary death and resurrection. You did not become righteous because you did enough righteous things. You became righteous because Jesus Christ died on the cross and God said, you now have the righteousness of Christ. He paid the price. It is on account of his substitutionary atonement, his perfect life, his death and resurrection. No longer then is that person a slave to sin. No longer then is that person defined by past failures or present struggles. The person has been delivered from the realm of darkness and now belongs in the kingdom of light. It tells us in Colossians chapter 1. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. You are now brand new. Turn to that one. If you don't know it by heart, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. <clears throat> and it says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. New creation. Okay? And it says, the quarterly finishes up this and says that we are now new creations. Okay? Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation in whom the old sinful self has passed away and the new redeemed self is alive and becoming progressively becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. A new identity. <clears throat> Listen, th th we can spend a lot of time on this very thing. You have a choice to make on a regular basis. How are you going to think about yourself? How are you going to view yourself? How are you going to look at your life? Are you the new, or are you still thinking you're not? Okay? That's going to matter a lot. That is going to matter a lot. Okay? I've told this story before, I am, I am sure. Uh, some of you guys who you know, are, are here at CDC, you don't know all of this, uh, but, uh, you know, everybody in here, I think, knows, you guys, a few of you don't know, my son-in-law, Ben, you know, 
was at the CDC. And then he met my daughter, Kimberly, and they decided they loved each other and they wanted to get married. And dad thought, well, hold on. I'm not real sure that that's what I want because I'm not real sure about this guy who comes with a lot of baggage and some real issues. And so I had a conversation with Ben, and I said to him, and you guys will understand this. Every one of you who are at the, at the, at the center will understand this. And I said, Ben, why, why should I believe? Why should I believe that who you say you are is who you are as you want to marry my daughter? And he said, because I'm a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away and everything is new. And Kent had nothing to say to that. <laughs> because we had talked to our children constantly about, well, we don't really care who you marry as long as you marry somebody who's a believer. And Ben gave the exact right answer and that was that. Because that was the truth. And, and, and I want to say to you guys who are, in the, who are going through that right now, that's the truth. And you got to believe that that's the truth. And I want to say that to everybody who hasn't gone through something like that. That's the truth. And you need to believe that that's the truth. And you need to act upon that truth. That you're a new creation, and I'm a citizen of heaven, and I have a better city. And the problem with all of us in Christianity is that we don't act upon that, and we start living as if that's not the case. Well, no wonder we have angst. No wonder we have issues. No wonder we're frustrated with life. We're saying, God, you really don't know what you're talking about. I'm going to live like that. And God's going to say, it's going to hurt. You're not going to like it. And it does hurt. And we don't like it. You're new in Jesus Christ. And his righteousness has been given to you. And that's the answer you give to people. That's the answer you give to people. That's what you say. I didn't, I, I wasn't, I wasn't the smartest guy in the world. I was in college, I was in school, and, and I was working, and, and we had a bunch of stuff taken from our company. And so the boss decided that rather than getting a Christmas bonus one year, we got an appointment to go have lie detector tests done. And so the guy, I'm strapped up doing this lie detector test, and he says, have you ever stolen anything? And I said... When I was 17 years old, a major change happened in my life, and I became a Christian. What I did before then is none of your business. And he said, okay, since that thing happened when you were 17, have you ever stolen anything? No. Because I was believing that I was indeed a new creation. And what God had done to me truly did transform me so that I could say, no, I haven't. My answer would have been different before that. Okay? That's what life is for us. And that's what life was for Daniel. Not a lot of difference. Yes, sir. Real loud. That's right. The love of Christ controls us. That's what makes everything different, isn't it? It's Christ. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. That's why you're different. That's why you don't, you don't steal after, after you're a believer. Because he controls you now. And you're different. And everything about you is different. And you're this incredibly wonderful new creation. Okay? That matters as I think about what it is that we're thinking about today and beyond how to stay faithful in exile. 
What's, what's the first rule of how to stay faithful in exile? Remember who you are. Remember who you are. Remember who you belong to. Remember what has happened in your life. That amazing thing that has gone on. Okay? And this is, and, and, and I'll do this, as I said, we could spend forever on this, and unfortunately I'm going down that road. You can't let yesterday as a believer define you any longer. And let me say this. As a new creation, as a person who belongs to Jesus Christ right now, even if this afternoon you practice that old habit, that still does not define you. You have a new definition. And that is, I am in Christ Jesus. Did I make a bad choice this afternoon? Did I go down a bad road? Yes. And that has to be dealt with. But that does not define me. It's not who I am. I did that. Who I am is new in Christ Jesus. And that's going to spur me on. Okay? That has to be the way we think. That has to be who we are. Or we will never shine for the Lord on this earth. We will never do it. Go back to Daniel chapter 1. So they came into this place, and, and what they did was they, they, they were taken away, all right, on the surface. What our quarterly says here is that, is that Daniel and his friends, Israel, they were invaded. They were taken captive, okay? But here's what the quarterly says, and this is fascinating, and I wanted to point this out. But from a different perspective, we see that God's people were now free to bring God's light into enemy territory. Whoa, how about that? God's light is now into enemy territory. Okay? Isn't that the coolest thing? We don't think that way, do we? What we think is that, is that I've been thrust into darkness as opposed to now there's light in the enemy territory. That's you. Congratulations. You are light in the enemy's territory. That's your task. That's who you are. Okay? God, I'd rather it not be done that way. This is how God does it. This is how God has done it down through the ages. And this is how God is going to continue to do it until when? Until he comes back. Until we're all taken to our new city and our new country. That's exactly right. Um, let, me, let me go on and, and say that, that, that what we need to do then is understand that, that Daniel then in, in facing this place that he was in, okay, all of a sudden he is going to face all sorts of challenges in this new culture. He's going he's to be challenged to walk away from God because the culture that he was going into was going to do everything in its power to get him to walk away from God, right? Well, what is it that we're seeing in our culture? Same thing, isn't it? The culture is working real hard to get us to walk away from truth, okay, and to embrace something else. You were being indoctrinated at every turn that that's exactly what would happen in your life, all right? 
So I want to, I wanna, the quarterly does something really cool here. And it says, look at the pressures that Daniel and his three friends had to face. Okay? And then as I'm reading this, it dawns on me that you all um, requested student quarterlies, and I was a good teacher and bought them, and I did not pass them out. If one of you guys would go get them for me. Brian, they are in, Brian, 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 they are in the intern's office in those shelves. Make sure that those are the ones I set out. It's exile and return. They're a little smaller. You know what size they are, okay? I did do that. I, I, I responded to your call, okay? But as, as you get these quarterlies, we'll pass them out to you. You, you, you can't think, well, I thought Kent was smart. He told me all this. I told you I'm teaching out of the quarterly, right? I've warned you guys that, right? Okay, so, okay. Don't, don't hate me because I use the quarterly. That's what we're doing right now. Here are the four things that they did. Listen to this. This is, this is fascinating, all right? The first thing that they did was isolation. They took them away from things. Isolation, okay? The first thing that they did is they, they took them away and they wanted to separate them from everything he knew and, and from a, a lot of other people. And he took these, 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 the best of the best away and they wanted to teach them um, some different things. The second thing was indoctrination. They put them in a school. They, they, they taught them these different things. There they are. Uh, they're going to pass them out right now. We're going to pause so you can get them. Uh, raise your hand if you wanted one. I have 40, so hopefully that's um, exile and return is what they are. And, and uh, Okay, there you go. And we, uh, we will let you know uh, what is being taught week to week. Um, as we shared with you when we started the Gospel Project, we started it, and we didn't realize that we couldn't start it anytime we wanted. And so in this quarterly, you will find a special session that is all about Christmas. Obviously, Christmas has passed. So we will tweak that just a little bit, and we will do our best to let you know about that, okay? So excellent. Thank you very much, gentlemen, all right? If you guys could share, we'd really appreciate it, all right? And then they will be, they will be on uh, the, either the welcome counter or back here every week for those of you who didn't get them. And, and if I don't have enough, we'll have to order more. We're about out already. Right here, Brian, we're going to need one up there too. Okay? And I'll have to get some more if we don't have enough. Okay? All right. So, I don't know where you are, and I'll tell you the truth. I, I don't look at a student quarterly, so I have no idea what is in there that I'm doing. All right? So, if you can find it, we're in the first one here. At page 12, Guyane says. There you go. Does it have the four things? Okay, there you go. Isolation is the first one. Indoctrination is the second one. The third one is assimilation. Im immerse them into the world of Babylon. And the fourth one is confusion. Give them new names. Change their language. Change everything about them. Well, that's a pretty good plan, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's what happens to her in college. What happens to all of us? It's what happens when we... In isolation, indoctrination, assimilation, confusion. What's one of the first things that Christians do when they get frustrated or discouraged or irked with God in life? They get upset with God, but they isolate themselves from God's people. Isolation is absolutely terrible as you are doing your best to shine for Jesus Christ in this world. Okay? You need to be a part of the body of Christ. You need to be part of people. Okay? It's incredibly important. All right? 
That whole thing about indoctrination. Is indoctrination going on in our world today? You better believe it is. Okay, school certainly. I, all of us, we're not in school right now, so what's happening with us? Media. Boy, are they good at that. Man, are they good at that. Okay? Really good at that. Have you noticed that, that uh, commercials now, that we've noticed that TV shows and movies for a long time have been beginning to introduce homosexual um, people into the classroom? Have you noticed that commercials are now doing it? With marriage? Indoctrination. Assimilation. Okay? We need to change our minds to the lifestyle. It's happening left and right. It's what I talked about with the fact when we talked about um, the end of life issues a couple weeks ago, and I talked about the fact that with how discouraged I was that that passed in Colorado by the numbers it passed in Colorado, that clearly those church-going people across the state have been assimilated into believing that end-of-life issues don't matter anymore. Okay? We've been assimilated in. We're accepting and embracing and being part of. And the confusion make you question at every turn. Am I who I say I am? Is God who he says he is? Over and over and over again, it's going on all the time. That's what happened with Daniel. That's what's happening. That's what's going to happen with us. What did Daniel do? The next thing in your quarterly there is embrace the risk of holiness. Okay, embrace the risk of holiness, which is in chapter 1, verses 8 through 16. What did Daniel do? But Daniel made up his mind that he would not defile himself with the king's choice food or with the wine which he drank, so he sought permission from the commander of the officials that he might not, might not defile himself. He decided that he would stand for his God. He would stand as he had been taught. Okay? Now, is there a risk to that? You bet there is. Okay? Yep. With Daniel, he did it in such a way that was pretty interesting. Let's look. Now, now God granted, granted Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the commander of the officials. And the commander of the officials said to Daniel, because Daniel went to him and said, hey, I want to do this. And he said, I'm afraid of my Lord, the king, who has appointed your food and your drink, for why should he see your faces looking more haggard than the youths who are your own age? Then you would make me forfeit my head to the king. I'm not, I can't do that, Daniel, because if you don't look good, I'm in trouble. But Daniel said to the overseer, whom the commander of the officials had pointed over them, please let your servants for ten days, let us be given some vegetables to eat and water to drink, then let our appearance be observed in our presence and the presence of the youths who are eating the king's choice food and deal with your servants according to what you see. He said, here's the deal, can we try this, and then we'll live with the consequences. That's what he did. So you need to notice that Daniel did it in a nice, proper, kind, good way. Okay? There is a right way, and there is a wrong way to stand for right in our world. Okay? And if we're going to say that we belong to God, we need to stand for him in the way that God is honored. And that's what Daniel did here. Okay? He did it in that way. And then the other thing is this, and it's incredibly important. We see this in the New Testament constantly. If you're going to make a stand, and you're going to stand up, for your God and your convictions, you'd better be willing to face the consequences. Daniel was. The New Testament folks were. 
One of the problems with, with sometimes some people is they want to stand, but they're not willing to take the consequences. And listen, there are consequences. You are an alien, and sometimes when you stand against what is going on in your culture, in your work, at work, whatever it may be, there are consequences. Feel free to take that stand at work. Feel free. And say to your boss, my conscience will not let me cross that line. Feel free to do that. Be ready to be looking for another job tomorrow because he has a right to fire you. That's his right. He's the boss, okay? So just understand, you have a right to stand. But understand that withstanding many times comes consequences. That's how life works, okay? And we need to just be, uh, be ready for that, and we see that in the book of Daniel. All right, we got some, com some questions or comments. Yes. Yes. Yes, you're exactly right. It's why, it's why for centuries, he says, people have hated the Jews because they have kept themselves separated. They did not assimilate. That's exactly right. And the world can't stand that. That's a tough thing. And, and, and the Jewish people have been taken into a lot of countries over the years, and they have continued to be Jewish in those countries, and it really does irk the countries that have taken them over. You're exactly right. Yes. In what respect? Right. Exactly right. That's exactly right. They are exactly right. And you need to say that. When you take that stand, you're doing it because God has told me to take that stand. Not because I think so. You can back it up with Scripture. And God's going to protect and take care of you. But sometimes the way that God's going to take care of you is, you stood well, nice job. Come on home to the city. Okay? And sometimes the way that God's going to take care of you is he's going to be with you as you endure, as we see some of, the old, some of the New Testament folks, some of the Old Testament folks. How many people do we read about in the Bible who lost their lives for standing? A whole lot. Yes. Families, very good. Many times there's that separation of family. When you take that stand, and I now love Jesus, there is indeed a price to be paid within families. That's exactly right. Okay? That's exactly right. You don't hate them. You don't despise them. But that's exactly right. There is that, that difference. There is that gulf, isn't there? That is exactly right. Okay? So he did that, and Daniel did that. You need to be willing in this world as strangers and aliens to embrace the risk of holiness every once in a while, okay? We got to finish up here because I'm, I'm, I'm not teaching next week, so I, I, we need to move forward. Go to, go to chapter 17. We're going to go to the third thing real quick. Look for ways to testify to God's grace. <clears throat> Look what it says in verse 17. As for these four youths, God gave them knowledge and intelligence in every branch of literature and wisdom. Daniel even understood all kinds of visions and dreams. Okay? Notice that's a key phrase as we read Daniel, and as we study the rest of Daniel, who did what? God gave. God gave. Remember that throughout Daniel. God gave. God gave. Okay? Important. Then at the end of the days which the king had specified for presenting them, the commander of the officials presented them before Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them 
and out of all of them, all was not, out of them all, not one was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, and so they entered the king's personal service. As for every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king consulted them, he found them ten times better than all the, the magicians and the conjurers who were in his realm, and Daniel continued until the first year of Cyrus the king. In other words, that little thing in there in verse 21 is, is that real quick thing about for 70 years, Daniel continued and did his thing, okay? All of what we read in verses 19, 20, 19 and 20 are because of what we read in verse 18. God gave, okay? Or excuse me, 17. God gave. God gave him that ability, and he did it. And, and hopefully you all know enough about Daniel to know that any time Daniel was, was brought before somebody and they said, Daniel, we understand that you can interpret dreams and visions. Daniel said what? I cannot. I have been given a relationship with God. God can do it through me. And if he so pleases, he will give me that information and I'll share it with you. That's what Daniel said every time. Okay? Not once did Daniel say, yes, I have been given that gift. And yes, I need to be treated in a special way. And yes, you had better be nice to me or I won't help you out. He never did that. He said every time God has given this to me, and if God so wills, he will give me that, and I will give it to you. Okay? What we find in Daniel is that he knew who he was, and he knew who he belonged to, and he knew where he was going. And he knew, and this is an important one for us too, he knew who empowered him. Okay? Yes? Exactly. God gave us new creation. Exactly right. New creation. We've been given the Holy Spirit. God gave. That's exactly right. Okay? Well, how do you live as, how do you be faithful in exile? Well, be careful about isolation, indoctrination, assimilation, and confusion. Be careful of the tools that Satan is using against you in getting you to be more at home here than there. And remember who you are. And remember who you belong to. And remember where you're going. Father, thanks for our time together this morning. We thank you for the, the word of God, which is so rich and amazing and so practical and useful. Here we are looking at Daniel, and it's just exactly what's going on in our world today. Clearly, it's from you. And your wisdom is overwhelming. Father, we struggle with these things. Give us wisdom as you gave Daniel. Give us fortitude as you gave Daniel. Give us the words as you gave Daniel. That we would allow the God of the universe to rule in us as Daniel did. That the world would see you, not us. Father, we know we'll have opportunity this week. Cause us to practice truth for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.